1973, the Supreme Court said it was okay to kill unborn babies. Since then, we've killed more than the entire population of Canada. And it continues. A woman's choice? Half of those who have died in their mother's wombs have been women. They didn't have a choice. It's called abortion. Me? I go to church, the minister preaches, and I go home. That's what Christians do now. First it was in dingy, dirty theaters, then convenience stores, then grocery stores, then on television. Now it's in the homes of millions via the internet. It's called pornography. Me? I go to church, the minister preaches, and I go home. That's what Christians do now. They call it no fault. Why should we blame anyone when something so tragic happens? Haven't they already suffered enough? Half of the marriages end this way. The children suffered. The family broke down. It's called divorce. Me? I go to church, the minister preaches, and I go home. That's what Christians do now. At one time, it was a perversion. We kept it secret. We secured help and hope for those who practiced it. Now it's praised. We have parades celebrating it, and elected officials give it their blessing. Now it's endowed with special privileges and protected by special laws. Even some Christian, quote-unquote, leaders and denominations praise it. It's called homosexuality. Me? I go to church, the minister preaches, and I go home. That's what Christians do now. It used to be an embarrassment, a shame, now a third, a third of all births to mothers are to mothers who aren't married. Two-thirds of all African-American children are born into a home without a father. The state usually pays the tab. That's why we pay our taxes, so that the government can take care, take the place of parents. After all, government bureaucrats know much better how to raise children than parents do. It's called illegitimacy. Me? I go to church. The minister preaches. I go home. That's what Christians do now. At one time it was wrong, but then the state decided to legalize it, promote it, and tax it. It has ripped apart families and destroyed lives. But just look at all the money the state's raised. No longer do we have to teach our children to study and Work hard. Now we teach them that they can get something for nothing. We spend millions encouraging the people to join the fun and excitement. Just look at the big sums of money that people are winning. They'll never have to work again. It's called gambling. Me? I go to church, the minister preaches, and I go home. That's what Christians do now. Not long ago, Christians were the good guys, but now any positive image of Christians in movies or television is gone. We're now depicted as the bad guys, 
greedy, narrow-minded hypocrites. The teacher can't have a Bible on her desk, but she can have Playboy. We don't have Christmas and Easter holidays, just winter and spring breaks. We can't pray in school, but we can use foul language. It's called being tolerant. Me, I go to church, the minister preaches, and I go home. That's what Christians do now. Yes, all of these things came to pass within 30 years. Where were the Christians? Why, they were in church. All these things are for somebody else to deal with. Times have changed. Involvement has been replaced with apathy. But don't blame me. I didn't do anything. I go to church, the minister preaches, and I go home. That's what Christians do now. First time I heard those words, about two or three weeks ago, I heard those words on the radio, and they brought me to tears. Those words are not original with me. Those words were spoken by a man by the name of Don Wildman, the founder of the American Family Association. And while I don't agree with everything that the American Family Association stands for theologically, I do agree with Mr. Wildman's words there. These words brought me to tears because I realized that although this is not a stinging indictment of every Christian, it is a stinging indictment of many who profess to be Christians in the land because we have sit and let our world fall apart. Me? I didn't do anything. Somebody else did it. Exactly. Brethren, what are we doing? As the world falls apart around us from a morality standpoint, and the morality of this land, or dare we say, or should we say, immorality of this land, bleeds over into every other aspect of society, and we're seeing the fruit of it, what are we doing? Go to church, minister preaches, and then we go home. Is that what we're doing? Or are we getting involved? Are we making a difference? Brethren, we've got to wake up. We've got to see with clear eyes what's going on in this nation. All signs, people are, people are clamoring for fighting in the streets. Violence. Terrible things happening in this nation... Are we just going to sit here and watch on the sidelines? Or are we going to do something? Long gone should be the days when Christians sat on the sidelines and did nothing. Brethren, we've got to do something. We've got to stand up for Jesus as we sung earlier. We've got to stand for the truth. We've got to stand for the right way to go about things. Not the wrong way that we've been seeing. We've got to stand for the right way to go about things. We've got to stand for love. And we've got to stand for truth.
when Christians turned over politics to secularist, atheist, we made a mistake. When Christians turned over the schools and the media and morality collective, we made a mistake. So what are we going to do now? Let's just bury our head in the sand. Let's just not pay attention. Let's just pretend it's not happening. That's how we got here. The silent majority, I'm going to despise that term. You know why? Because if we're truly the majority, then why in the world are we being silenced? What do we have to fear? It wasn't too terribly long ago that an American president said, we've, not, we've got nothing to fear but fear itself. It wasn't too terribly long ago that another president said, ask not what you can do for your country, but what, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. There was another figure in history that said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Brethren, evil is triumphing right now. And it will continue until good men stand up and put a stop to it. We need to pray. And we need to be active in God's kingdom. What are we going to do now? That's the lesson for this morning. What are we going to do now? Number one, Christians, we've got to get to work. We'll cover this in more detail this evening, but James chapter 1 Verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let me say this. I believe the church, and we're talking about the true church of Christ, the church that belongs to Christ, I believe that we're very good generally at hearing God's word. We have high regard for this book. We believe it, we hear it, but we've also got to put it into practice. The Bible says this, I believe it. The Bible says that, then that's what it says. I accept it, but how am I at then accepting that and putting it into practice? Being doers of the Word, not just hearers only, we're quick to point out in James Chapter 2, that faith without works is dead. We're quick to point out that a man is justified by works and not by faith only in James chapter 2. And we'll say, see, the idea of faith only, salvation is false, and it is. 
But how many then turn around and live as if they believe in faith only? How many turn around and, and live and, and say, well, I go to church, minister preaches, and I go home and call it a day. And then they don't really live out their faith. How many of us compartmentalize our faith? You see, faith is something that's practiced on Sundays and Wednesdays, and then we go home. And our faith does not shine at the workplace. Our faith does not shine at school. Our faith does not have an impact in the way that we vote, if we choose to vote. And that is our right to either choose or not to, from a scriptural standpoint. How many of us compartmentalize our faith? How many of us compartmentalize our faith when we go to the movie theater? Well, you know what? I realize this has got a lot of objectionable content in it, but it'll be okay. I'm not at church. Are we compartmentalizing our faith? James 2, verses 15 and 16. James says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. See, that's an acknowledgement of of helping people, acknowledging it, but then he doesn't do it. He doesn't follow through. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Are we working to solve problems like that in our society? Matthew chapter 25, picture of the judgment scene. What does Jesus say there? Matthew chapter 25, I was naked and you clothed me or didn't. I was thirsty and you gave me drink or you didn't. I was hungry and you gave me food or you didn't. I was sick and in prison and you visited me, you comforted me, or you didn't. You see, we've got to live out our faith. And that includes getting involved. It includes solving problems such as this. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and the widows in their affliction or their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world This is an active faith. This is being a doer of the Word. James 4 verse 17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. To him who knows to do good but does not do it, to him it is sin. So we can't just sit idly by. We can't just sit on the pews and then go home and not do anything. Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 25, Matthew 7, verses 21 through 25, says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders? In your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears those or these sayings of mine and does them, will I liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We've got to get to work. Christians, we've also got to make sure that we're truly following Christ. Luke 6, verses 46 and following. Luke 6, verses 46 and following. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and... Do not the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream vehemently beat against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Christians, are we truly following Christ? Are we evangelizing? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Teach them or make disciples, baptize, teach. I have to wonder if we were teaching more people in society, if society would be more well taught to how to act. They would, wouldn't they? I want to do this exercise. I want you to think of some names of people that you have helped convert or at least attempted to convert. Think of some names of people you have either converted or at least attempted to convert. Could you think of any? If not, why not? I heard a story recently about a small country church who needed to baptize someone, but their baptistry was broken. You see, they hadn't used it in years. They called up another small country church and they said, Hey, can you believe it? We want to baptize somebody. We've got somebody that wants to obey the gospel. But our baptistry's broken. Can we use yours? Well, that's great, but uh, our baptistry's broken as well. We haven't used it in years. Now, whether that's a true story or just an anecdotal story is beside the point. We know that they could take them out to a creek or to Lake Murray and take care of the baptism, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is why are we not baptizing more people? Why are we not teaching, baptizing, and teaching some more, some more people? 
got to evangelize. That's our purpose as Christians. Matthew 12, verse 50, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Evangelism, worship, godly life, serving others, being the salt and light of this world, that's doing the will of the Father. And when we do the will of the Father, we're Jesus' family. We're His church. Christians, are we truly following Christ? Finally this morning, Christians, are we satisfied with Christ and His kingdom? Because the kingdoms of this world are like the shifting sands. We look at what's happening in our kingdom, if you will, and it's alarming. We see the chaos, we see the turmoil, the fighting. It's alarming, but we should never put our trust completely in an earthly nation. Now, I'm a proud American. I'm thankful to be here. But first and foremost, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a Christian. So Christians, are we satisfied with Christ in His kingdom? John 13, verse 17, Jesus said, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Context, what was he talking about? Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. So the idea is that we are to humble ourselves. We are to serve one another, and that's part of the work of the kingdom. Humbling ourselves, serving one another, and and looking to our brother first rather than ourselves. That's how we keep unity. And if we truly are doing that, then when other people see us doing that and we teach them, if they obey the gospel, they'll do that. And we make this place a better place. Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so we keep Christ and His kingdom the priority in our lives. Colossians 3 Verses 1 through 10, we put our Christianity into practice. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 10. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When you became a Christian, you put the sinful self to death. You mortified it. You put it to death, and you put on Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, evil passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things. Anger, wrath, 
question. If society went by this passage alone, would we be seeing the violence in the streets? Not if they obeyed this. Because we're to put off the anger and the wrath. Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Philippians 3 verse 20, we mentioned it a moment ago. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Is that our prayer? Even so, come, Lord Jesus, because we see what's going on. Come. Take us to heaven. You see, those who are faithful Christians can say that. Can say, I hope Jesus comes now because I... I can't live in this world anymore. I can't be at home in this world anymore as we sometimes sing. But if you're not a Christian this morning, the last thing you want is for Jesus to come. Because when He does, He will come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who know not God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. Come what may, we look at the turmoil and whatever happens, what will be will be. But you know what? At the end of the day, we're still, still looking forward to heaven. That gives us comfort and hope and joy and peace and love. No matter what happens in this nation, no matter what happens in this world, if we're Christians, heaven is the goal that we're working toward. Are we living our lives to accomplish the goal? As we look at what has slowly but surely degraded our country, into further and further depravity for the last several decades. This didn't happen overnight. As we watch that, perhaps from the sidelines, we, we watch what's happening. We need to ask ourselves, at what point did Christians decide sitting on the sidelines is enough? And we need to get off the bench and we need to arm ourselves and get into the fight. Physically, that's not what we're talking about. Spiritually, we must fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of righteousness. If 
Ephesians chapter 6, we need to put on the whole armor of God and we need to fight this spiritual war that we're in and stand up for Jesus. The devil's been hard at work doing what he does. All the while, not all, but many Christians go to church, the minister preaches, and then they go home. My question to you this morning is what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Let's stand for the truth. Let's be active in the kingdom. And let's make a difference. Because we can. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you've never obeyed the gospel, we already mentioned Jesus will return one day in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those that don't obey the gospel. You must do that to be saved to be a Christian, to be added to the Lord's church, Acts 2.47. Those that gladly received the word were baptized, and there were added unto them about 3,000 souls there in Acts chapter 2. Why? Because that's what Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2 verse 38. Well, that goes right back to what Jesus said in Matthew 18. Or Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Teach, baptize, teach. Yes, it does. That goes back to what he said in Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He that does not believe will be condemned. Yes, it does. Be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3, 27, for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, 38, this morning. Wash away your sins, Acts 22, 16. You'll be a Christian. The Lord will add you to His church, and you can rejoice today. Doom and gloom or rejoicing? Have your pick. I choose to rejoice. Rejoice today by putting on Christ in baptism for the remission of your sins. If you have not been rejoicing, maybe you're a Christian, but you haven't been rejoicing, maybe because your life's not right, you can come and we can help you with that too. We'll help you with whatever we need to as you come, as we stand and sing.